Well, I'll, I'll tell you, we have, uh, God has blessed this church with uh, singers. This morning we heard Kenneth and you heard Misty Wednesday night. And uh, I'm, I'm starting to feel like the least, the, the least of the least here. God's blessed this church with so much talent and so much abilities and so many wonderful things. And I just, um, and that was, that, was, that was beautiful, Diana. That was gorgeous. And, and Lexi this morning, such a beautiful job. And I tell you, very blessed. God has really poured out his blessings upon you. And I thank God for that so much. Um, Wonderful sermon this morning by Kenneth. I enjoyed it very much. Good, good, good sermon. Appreciate that very much. Um, so tonight, um, if you would turn with me to Judges chapter 16. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about another Bible story that you should have heard when you were in Sunday school. If you're not going to Sunday school, you need to find a Sunday school. I should have said that this morning because I'm, I'm sure everybody that comes to church Sunday night comes to Sunday school too. So, Judges chapter 16. We're going to begin reading at verse, uh, let's start at verse 18. This is a story of Samson and Delilah. So, I'm sure you've heard the story of Samson, mighty, strong guy, Samson, who uh, ended up in a bad situation. We're going to read about his bad situation. 16 verse 18 says, And when Delilah saw that Samson had told her all his heart, he sinned and called for the Lord of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep on her knees. And she called for a man and caused him to shave off the seven locks of Samson's head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. He arose out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with feathers of brass and did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together to sacrifice a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God. And to rejoice, for they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God hath delivered the, into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make a sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me I, that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. And the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And they were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women, and they beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be avenged of the Philistines from my eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and upon and on which it was borne up of the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than he slew in his life. 
Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to preach your word tonight, God. I pray tonight, Lord God, that I might be a, a lamp unto this congregation, Father God, a light, Lord God, that would light their path, God. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would lead me and guide me and direct me tonight, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit, O oh God, would minister to their hearts, Father, the things that you've desired. And I thank you for tonight, in Jesus' name and for your glory, amen and amen. You may be seated. You know, when, when, I, when, I, when I read this story, it, it reminds me of a story in my life, and that is that uh, one time I wanted to do a, a thing for the church for the Sunday school, and I was talking to Kathy about it, and I said, you know what we ought to do is think, have a thing for the Sunday school that if we break 100 for a month, if we're above 100 for a month, then I'll shave my head. That's what she said. She said, you're not about to shave your head. And I said, why not? She said, because if you don't have any hair on your head and, they come in the, and you come in the church, all they'll see is that nose. So, <laughs> so there's no way I'm going to let you shave your head. But tonight we're talking about someone who got his head shaved. And I want to talk to you about maybe a little different twist on this story because I want to talk to you tonight about failure. I want to talk to you about failure. Because here Samson was, Samson was dedicated to God from his mother's womb. I mean, from the, from the, before he was even conceived, God came to Samson's mom and dad and told him, told them that this was going to be a man, that he was going to be separated unto God from his very, very beginning. His mother wasn't to eat anything associated with a grape. She wasn't to take any, any, anything associated with a grape, no, no grape juice, no wine, nor anything like that. Because Samson was dedicated to God from his mother's womb. He was born into this world a Nazarite. He, 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 never, he never knew anything else. And you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I think about myself. I mean, I was raised in church. I've never known anything else. I've never gone anywhere else. I've never, I've never not been in church. I've ne you know, one time whenever I was living by myself in Lake Charles, I was over there working uh, one summer after my freshman year in college, I went over there and I, uh, and I worked over there by myself. And, and one Wednesday night, I got back to my little apartment. I had a little one-bedroom apartment. Well, it wasn't even a bedroom. It was just a, it was like a closet with a bed in it is what I had because it was cheap. And so I was in that thing, and we got back to church. We got back from work late. It was about 6 o'clock when I got in. I was tired. It was hot. Been out all summer. Been working all, all day long. Sweated down. And I thought, you know what? I'm just not going to go to church tonight. Nobody's going to know. Who's going to know? My mama's not. She's not anywhere near. Kathy's not anywhere near. Nobody's going to know if I'm there. Nobody's going to care. I'm just going to stay in tonight. I'm just going to rest. I'm tired. I'm sweaty. And the closer it got to 7 o'clock, the, the, the more concerned I got about it. And about 10 minutes to 7, I got up, I showered, I got dressed, and I, got, and I went to church. By myself. Nobody would know. Who would care? I would know. And it bothered me. Because that's all I've known. That's, that's all I was raised in. That's all I've ever experienced is church and going to church. And, and I go to church because I love going to church. And Samson, that's all he knew. All he knew was living his life like a Nazarene. He, he never had tasted anything like that, any, anything associated with the grape. He had taken a Nazarite vow. He'd never cut his hair. He never knew anything but that. That's all he ever knew. But one day he fell in love with a little Philistine girl. A little worldly girl came prancing along, strutting like they strut, and they caught his attention. 
And suddenly he was mesmerized by something that he knew he shouldn't touch. He was caught up in a situation of something that he knew, he knew, he knew he shouldn't be involved in. And sometimes, even though we may have been raised in church, even though we may be living for the Lord, even though we may be trying so hard to do everything God has given us to do, like tonight the Holy Spirit said, hold on, hold on, hold on. And, to, and, and a lot of people, a lot of times, we find ourselves pushing as hard as we can for God, trying our best to live for God, doing everything we can to do what God has given us to do, but something catches our attention. Some little something catches our attention. And in itself, that some little something may not be anything wrong with it. You know, every now and then, I, uh, I, 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 I can remember songs from the 1970s. I can't remember what Mike just sang. But I can remember songs that I sang to the radio in the 1970s. I can remember those. And I don't listen to them anymore. There's, I don't, matter of fact, I don't hardly listen to the radio at all anymore. But every now and then, those songs will start going through my head. And, and every now and then, I'll say, you know what? What would it hurt just to go over there to 92.5? And I'm talking about for me now. I'm not talking about for you. I'm talking about for me. What would it hurt for me just to pop over there to 92.5 and just listen to some of those old songs and sing along with them and just relive my memories? And sometime, one time, I, a couple of times, because I'm hard-headed, I popped over there. And one time when I went over there, there was a song <laughs> that was filthy. <laughs> it was a share song, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. It didn't seem bad when I was 16. But now that I'm older and I'm listening to it, I'm going, oh, my word. Every evening, men would come around and lay their money down. Why am I listening to this? Why am I listening to this? The Lord's convicted me of it. I'm feeling it all along. The Holy Spirit's saying, don't turn the station there. I'm going there anyway. I'm violating everything I know the Holy Spirit's saying. And I get over there, and next thing I know, I'm listening to stuff that I, that I know good and well is not right. I shouldn't be putting this in my head. I know this is wrong for me. Why am I listening to it? Same reason Samson ended up here. For some reason, I was just determined that I was going to listen to that song. I was going to listen to music that the Lord had already told me, this is personal to me, not to be in. And because of that, I shouldn't have been there, but I went there. Am I by myself? No. No. And you know what happens to me when I do that kind of stuff? You know what happens to me when I end up somewhere where I know God has told me and told me and told me and warned me and warned me and talked to me and talked to me and I'd say, I'm going to do it. You know what happens to me as soon as I do that? I feel like all my hair has been cut off. I immediately feel the condemnation and the weight. You see, whenever Samson got his hair cut off, if you notice what they did, they put out his eyes and they bound him with fetters of brass. They found him with fetters of brass. Now, almost always in Scripture, if you remember Moses, whenever the children of Israel were being bitten by snakes because they were rebellious, God told Moses to raise up a serpent on a, a, a brazen serpent. Almost always brass symbolizes sin. 
almost always throughout Scripture, when you read something that's brass, it's symbolic of sin. In that particular case, it was a sacrifice for sin. It was a type of Christ who took upon himself the sin of the world. In this case, it's the weight of a decision. It's the weight of a decision. A decision that I made that I knew I shouldn't make because I was in an area I shouldn't have been in. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I wake up and, and, I'm, and I'm in a, such a mood that I'm kind of looking for a fight. I, I know I shouldn't be like that. I know I should avoid that. I know I shouldn't be in a grumpy mood. I know I should not. I come up here to the church. I spend an hour in the church. And when I leave out of here, I haven't dealt with that grumpy move. So I go out of here and I go out and something happens. And I run down to Sarah's office and I've got my dander up. And I start, blah, 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 blah. And she'll say, whoa, 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 stay in your lane, brother. What's going on? What did I do? I let something that I knew better than to do, I understood what was going on. I did it with my eyes wide open, but I did it anyway. And immediately, when that kind of stuff happens, immediately, I feel the weight of that decision. I feel the fetters of brass as they're up on me. I feel like my eyes have been punched out. I should know better than this. I should see better than this. I should, I'm 65 years old. I should be not doing some things. I should be better than this. And, and sometimes in our lives, we find ourselves making decisions and doing things that we know we shouldn't do, that we know is not right, that we know is going to harm us, that we know is going to hurt our witness, that we know these things, but yet some reason the flesh has become so strong that we don't, we don't fight against it and we end up doing the very thing that we said we wouldn't do and whenever that happens, we find the weight of sin, the chains of brass come upon us and our eyes feel like they've been punched out. Have you ever prayed to the Lord and said, God, I don't see how in the world you can continue to use me? Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, Lord, I just don't, I just can't understand why in the world you would continue to be merciful to me? I've told the Lord, I'm, I'm smarter than this. I know I am, but I'm not proving it very well. Because sometimes whenever we fall, the weight of sin, the weight of shame, the condemnation, the things that we knew we shouldn't do that thing makes us cry out like Paul in Romans chapter 7 and say, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will be able to rescue me from the place I've got myself into? Oh, wretched man that I am. And we begin to then lay upon ourselves self-condemnation. Where am I going to with this? I'm going to this place that you would see that all have sinned. That there's probably not anybody in this room who hasn't made a mistake more than once and felt like that they were at the end and felt like that God couldn't use them, felt like that it was so damaging that they were ready to just quit and walk away. They were ready to say, God, I just don't understand why I keep doing this. I don't know how you can fulfill a promise that you've given me whenever I'm not worthy to receive that promise. I don't see how you can use me in a ministry whenever I'm not worthy to be used in that ministry. I don't see how I can go and pray for somebody whenever I'm not worthy to be 
up here praying for people. I don't see how you can do anything with the person that I am because I try and I try and I try to live for Jesus and all I find myself doing is falling back to the same old stupid thing that I fell to last time and I just don't understand, Lord, how you can possibly think that I can ever be used of you so I'm just going to come and do the best that I can and sit in the pew and try to serve you and just try to make heaven and let everything else go because I'm obviously not worthy to be used by you. Chains of brass with your eyes punched out. Thinking how in the world can God use anybody like myself? And if that, if that was the end of the story, then we would all be of all men most miserable. But I'm here tonight to tell you that's not the end of the story because Samson's hair continued to grow. Samson's hair continued to grow. And I want to tell you tonight that even though you may fail the Lord, even though you may fall to something that you've fallen to before, even though you may, you may be struggling in order to try to live this Christian life, even though you feel the shame and the agony and the fetters of brass and you feel like your eyes have been punched out and you begin to say, God, I just don't see how you can ever complete the promises that you've given me with the way I'm acting, with the what I've done. I just want to let you know that your salvation, your redemption, your destruction from condemnation is one prayer away. <laughs> it's one prayer away. Father, forgive me for my sin because God knows who you are. God knows who you were when he picked you. He knew how you were going to act whenever he came there. When he called Samson's name, he knew that Samson was going to get himself in this situation, but God didn't reject Samson because he failed. His hair continued to grow. And God's not going to reject you because you have a problem and you're struggling with that problem and you're going to overcome it if you'll just keep pressing on because your hair continues to grow. God doesn't give up on you even when we give up on ourselves. God doesn't give up on me even though when I feel like I'm of all men most pitiful. God doesn't give up on me when I don't feel worthy to stand in this pulpit. God doesn't give up on me when I don't feel worthy to fulfill the vision that he gave me because he's not looking at me. He's looking at me through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the blood of Jesus Christ, I am exactly what he's called me to be and I'm striving to be better, to be in that, not only to be covered by that blood, to, but, but to become Christ-like in all that I do. Amen. The children of Israel had failed miserably. They had failed miserably. They've been wandering around in the desert they failed the Lord. He, he tells them, I can't even be among you because I just slaughter you because you can't live a holy life. And so they come to the land of Moab. They've been marching around the mountain and now they're starting to go in and they get over there and they get to the land of Moab and there's a king there and his name is Balak, B-A-L-A-K. And he calls for a prophet whose name is Balaam, B-A-L-A-A-M. And Balaam comes and, and he's going to prophesy and curse the children of Israel. But when he gets there, God won't let him curse them. He causes them to bless them. And when you read those blessings, one of the things you'll see is that God has Balaam say, I have not found iniquity in Israel. That is the weirdest statement I've ever heard. 
They've been, they, they're out there in the desert because they're sinful. He tells them he can't even be among them because every time he's among them, he ends up slaughtering them. He, 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 can't, even, he, can't, even, he can't even march with them. They're, they're, they're following Moses, and Moses is, is bringing them out of, the, out of the wilderness. They're starting to go back into the land of promise, but, but they're still sinful people. But God says, I've not seen iniquity in Israel. How can he say that? Because he's not looking at them for what they are. He's looking at them for what they're becoming. God doesn't look at you tonight as where you are. He looks at you as where you're going. I said God's not looking at you at where you are. He's looking at you at where you're going. And though you may have failed and though you may have faltered and though you may be condemning yourself and though you may be saying, God, how can you ever complete a promise that you're giving me? I'm here to tell you that your promise that God has given you is not based upon your righteousness because my righteousness is as filthy rags is what the word tells me. But the righteousness that I have from being... <laughs> Woo, I'm a feeling it in my spirit now. The, righteous, mm, the righteousness that I have because I'm grafted into the vine. You see, God, God took a, a bad vessel, a Gentile vessel, and he grafted it into a good vine. He made me part of the kingdom of God. I'm, there's, there's no graft marks there anymore. I've become a part of that vine. Oh, he, whoo, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's no scars on that tree anymore of where I was grafted in because the place where he grafted me in, oh, he covered it with his blood. He put the Holy Spirit as a seal upon it and he's been placing layer after layer after layer of love so you no longer see the place where I was grafted in. I'm not a grafted in person anymore. I'm a child of the most high God. His royal blood flows in my veins. I'm just as much a child of God as any Israeli that ever has been because God put me in the vine, hallelujah. And he doesn't bless me because of what I am. He blessed me because of who I'm grafted into. My God, hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. And I may falter and I may fail and I may condemn myself and I may bind myself up with, with fetters of brass and I may have my eyes punched out, but I'm telling you, my hair hadn't stopped growing. Whew, my hair hadn't stopped growing. And the Bible tells me in Romans chapter 8 that there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh. What does the flesh tell you? The flesh tells you you've got to be smart enough. You've got to be good enough. You've got to be righteous enough. You have to be holy enough. You have to be able to do these things. But God blesses me not by works but by faith. God saved me by faith, not by works. He saved me. He redeemed me by faith. Woo, hallelujah. By faith and not by works. He blesses me by faith and not by works because he knows who I am. He knows how I'm built. He knows that I'm flesh. He knows, but he also knows that I'm trying. He knows that I stay under the blood of Jesus Christ. And though I may fail, John says I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. How is he my advocate? Because I'm grafted into his vine. Hallelujah. Because I'm grafted into his vine. Just because, a, just because a limb loses a leaf, you don't cut the limb off. Just because the limb loses a leaf, you don't. If that's true, I'd be cutting down trees in my yard right now because they've all lost their leaves. I, I, don't, I let those trees live in my yard. They look dead. All the leaves are off of them. 
They're not pretty. They're kind of ugly. But I don't go out there and chop them down. I don't go down there and take them down and say, well, there's all the leaves. You're gone. I'm cutting you down. Why don't I cut them down? Because I know spring's coming. <laughs> I know spring's coming. And what's going to happen in the spring? That old Arizona ash that's in the front of my yard that looks more like a 30-foot bush than a tree. When that thing, when spring starts coming, I'll start seeing little bitty flowers coming on those, those limbs. They'll all start budding out. And then the next thing you know, I'll come out there one day and I've got little white, little, little bitty white flowers that are all over my truck. And then after that, they'll start being leaves on that thing. And before long, I look out there, and it's back a beautiful, glorious tree again. What happened? Oh, its branches may have become bare, but that sap kept running. That hair kept growing. It, kept be, it, it was just waiting for spring. And when spring came, it, its leaves will begin to come back. That oak tree that, that I planted off of my neighbor because some squirrel ate their acorn and dropped, dropped the seed in my yard. <laughs> it looks just like the tree across the street because it's a baby. Of that tree, when that thing in the spring comes, that thing will start putting out its leaves again, and it'll all come back to life again. And even though it looks dead, it's not dead. Even though it looks like it's not going to make it, it's going to make it. Even though it looks like it ought to be cut down, we leave it up. Why? Because it's not through doing what it's doing. It's going to provide shade for my yard. It's going to provide shade for my house. It's going to provide beauty. It's going to provide all the things a tree does because it, even though it looks dead, it's not dead. And even though you may feel when you fell the Lord like you're dead, you're not dead. Your hair continues to grow. Don't let those fetters of brass weigh you down. Don't let the fact that your eyes feel like they're punched out let stop you from what you're doing but instead realizing who you are in Jesus Christ realize that you have an advocate with the father realize that he is there and anxious to forgive you and when he forgives you he restores you because you're you're grafted into the vine of Jesus Christ and you haven't been lost you haven't been cut off you haven't been removed hallelujah you just lost a leaf There is therefore now no condemnation. Get back up. Do like Samson. Say, Father, avenge me of what the enemy's done. Avenge me. You know, I remember one time we had some neighbors that lived next door to us that were not churched. And my son, as he was growing up, he, he had some, uh, some issues. He, he was diagnosed as diabetic when he was 12 and and as he became a teenager when the springtime would come he would start playing baseball he would start being very active uh plus you know as a teenage boy his his body was uh using more insulin his adrenaline would cause his insulin his uh his blood sugars to 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 fall we didn't really know how to handle it at the time we didn't have all the gadgets they have now to be able to tell us all this and so some mornings he would wake up and he would just be totally incoherent. He, you, you could talk to him and he can talk to you, but he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't have any idea what he's saying and there's no telling what he's about to do. He may, but anyway, most of the time those events ended up in a grand mall, banging your head on the floor, um, seizure. And uh, the first time we went through one of those was the most traumatic moment in my life. Um, to date anyway it's a it was an amazing thing to watch your son fall on the floor and suddenly go into a 
a seizure where he's shaking and, like I said, gnawing on his tongue and banging his head on the floor and, and doing all these things, and you don't really know what to do. And it was, it was a, a very horrific moment in my life that, uh, that I'll probably um, remember forever. Um, and we called, the, we called our next-door neighbor at that time, operated an ambulance service. We called them. We said, what do we do? They tell us everything to do. We did what they said. And uh, the ambulance came and picked him up and took him to the hospital. And by the time he got to the hospital, he had become coherent again. And he didn't know what had happened. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know why he was in the hospital. He didn't know why he was in the ambulance. And so we, we learned from that to kind of be more careful about watching things. But still, every now and then, one would slip by us. And, uh, and one time when he had this seizure, um, it, it, when he finished... Um, We'd taken him to his room, and, and he was just he was resting in his room. He would, he would be out of it for the whole day. He just didn't have any strength. He didn't have any ability to do anything. Uh, he was coherent. He would talk, he, but he, he would usually have a little bit of fever with him, and it would, it would just be a, a day-long process before he got his strength back. And so one, the last time he had one, or maybe not the last time, but one of the times when he had one, um, when it was all over with, I had a little bit of righteous anger. I got mad because I said, here's my son, my son, and he's going through this. Why should he be allowed? Why should this happen? And I got a little bit angry about it. So what I did is I went next door and I knocked on the door. And when I came to the door, I, I got this conversation going toward the Lord. And I talked to him about Jesus and invited him to church. You say, well, what's the big deal with that? It's a big deal with me because I felt like that I wasn't just taking it. I felt like that I was fighting back a little bit. They didn't come to church, but I'd never witnessed to them before, and that pushed me into that area. And, and, and what I'm saying tonight is when the enemy comes in like a flood, and you may falter and fail with that flood, don't give him the satisfaction of victory by staying watered, connected up to a, to a meal Simply grinding, grinding meal. Don't, don't give him the victory of staying there with the, with the brass chains on you and your eyes punched out. Don't give him the opportunity to revel like they reveled. The Philistines said, bring him in. Let's make sport of him. Well, don't give the devil that opportunity. Don't let him sit there and make a fool out of you and say, well, now come in and dance for us and show us how dumb you are. Don't give him that opportunity. Ask the Lord for forgiveness, get back in there, and allow the Holy Spirit to restore you. Oh, it may take a service or two. It may take a moment in time. It may, it may take you asking forgiveness from some people. There may be a little bit of that going on, but don't sit there and let the devil make sport of you. Instead, get back in there. Get back in there. Get back in the fight. Get back into worship. Get back into praise. Get back into the word. Don't sit there and condemn yourself and stay at the meal grinding away with brass fetters and your eyes punched out, but instead go ahead and realize, hey, my hair's not stopped growing just because I failed one time. 
I'm going to ask forgiveness and I'm going to get right back in there and fight this fight again. I will have what he said I will have. I can be what he said it can be. I'm not going to let one failure define my life. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to work through me and do the things that he's promised of me, not because I'm worthy, but because the one I'm grafted into is worthy. And as God looks at me, he sees me through the blood of Jesus Christ. I've not failed him. I failed myself, but I haven't failed him. Hallelujah. I'm going to do what God's given me to do. And don't let one moment of failure define your Christian walk. Don't let the shame that you feel with that moment of failure cause you to quit. Don't let the, don't let the fact that you feel like you're bound with fetters of brass and your eyes punched out to force you to stay grinding at a meal. But instead, understand that there is forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. Understand that God's not given up on you. He's not sent you to pasture. But instead, he simply says, here's the way. Continue to walk in it. He picks you back up. Put your feet back on the right path. And says, now, get back to work. And I'm telling you, as you continue to serve the Lord, you may falter and fail, but if you'll get the steps of a good man or ordered of the Lord. Amen? Though he falls six times, God will pick him up seven times. <laughs> Though he falters, he's not defeated. Though he, though he makes a mistake, He's not done because, because greater is he that's in me. I'm a child of God. God lives in me. And though I may falter and though I may fail, it doesn't mean his promises have left. It doesn't mean I've got to go back. You know, Paul says, Paul says to walk away from the, from, the, from the basic things of Christianity and walk into the greater things of God. And, and as you're walking in those greater things, you're, you're going to falter. You're going to fail. I mean, good night. Every time I get in the car to drive, when we, we drove to Dallas last week. I can't tell you how many roads I missed and wrong turns I made. Even with a GPS. Even with a GPS, I missed streets. Isn't that amazing? Kathy's not amazed. She lives with it all the time. She just says, oh, Scott. That's all she says. Oh, Scott. But you know what? It doesn't stop me from getting to where I'm going. I don't pull over the side of the road and kill the car and say, well, I guess we can't get there now. We're done. We just have to walk back, I guess. I, I don't know what to do. Why? Because I got a GPS saying, okay, dummy, we'll take this route. We'll try it this way. And I still get there. Even though I made a wrong turn. Even though I missed a turn. Even though I may end up on a gravel road somewhere. I thought one day I was driving through somebody's driveway. <laughs> I didn't know this road even existed. <laughs> I really thought I was in somebody's driveway, but it came out somewhere where I needed to be. And all I'm saying is just because you make a wrong turn doesn't mean you're done. It just means sometimes the GPS has to reroute you a little bit, but you're still going to get to where you're going. So don't let a wrong turn cause you to quit. Don't let, a, don't let something that you've done cause you to say, well, God can't use me anymore, and I think I'm going to resign my position. Don't resign. 
Resolve yourself to do better. Resolve yourself to see things you've never seen before. Resolve yourself to be able to be used of God like you've never been used before. Allow your failures to cause you to grow and not to quit. Amen? Stand with me tonight if you would. There's an old song we used to sing. It said, search me, O Lord, and know my heart today. Try me, my Savior. Hear me when I pray. See if there be some wicked way of me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. And that setting me free process has to do with me removing the self-condemnation that a lot of times I put myself under whenever I I faltered. And I want to let you know tonight, don't let condemnation, don't let the feathers of brass, don't let the fact that you feel like your eyes have been punched out and you took a gut punch, don't let that cause you to sit there and grind at a meal for the rest of your life. Instead, realize that you're one prayer away from your hair beginning to grow again and doing greater things for God than you ever thought you could do. The promise isn't dead just because you falter one time. Did you hear me? The promise isn't dead just because you faltered one time. But the promise can still come to pass. The promise is still there. Not because of who you are, but because of who you're grafted into. Amen? I wonder tonight, is there, is, I feel like I should just, let me just pray a prayer over you tonight if you would. Would you, would you just pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray for this congregation tonight, Lord. God, I pray tonight, Lord God, if there be one here tonight, Father God, who feels like, Lord God, that they can never serve you like they want to. Lord God, I pray tonight, Lord God, that that feeling of condemnation, Lord God, and that depression and the fetters of brass and the things that weighed us down, oh God, I pray that they would be broken tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray tonight, Lord God, that you would help us to realize, Lord God, that it's not dependent upon us being perfect, O God. It's only dependent upon us, O God, being forgiven and staying grafted into the vine of Christ Jesus. Lord God, I pray tonight, O God, that those voices, Lord God, of condemnation would be broken, Lord God. That the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, would flow freely, Lord God, through lives tonight, Father God. Lord, that you would help us to realize that in Jesus Christ we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And Lord God, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Help us to understand tonight, Lord God, that we follow you, O God. That your spirit is alive within us, Lord God. And let your spirit, Lord, touch our souls, Father. Hallelujah. 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 I tell you what, I, 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 just, uh, I, I just feel like I need to do this. And nobody may not come, you may, nobody may, and that's fine, that's fine. But if you tonight feel like that you just need a little, a little boost, if you say, you know what, I've, I've found myself in that situation, 
and and I, and I just can't seem to feel like that I'm back where God wants me to be. I just I just I'm just having such a hard time recovering from something. And I, I just want I just want all that weight and that burden of everything that I'm feeling. I just want it to be lifted off. Then I think the Lord's here tonight to lift that off. And so if that's you tonight and you want it, you want prayer, you want us to gather around, you want us to pray. It's not to say that you're not saved, not to say that anything other than you're just feeling that that weight, that weight of, of and you, you'd like to be free from that tonight. And like I said, if nobody comes, that's fine. But if, if you feel that tonight, then I'd like for you to, to, to respond. Is there anybody tonight that needs prayer? You say, I just, I, just, I just need to be free from this. I just carry this around with me all the time. Can't ever feel good enough. That's what it, I can never feel good enough. Amen. Veronica, could I get you to come play for us tonight? Amen. Anybody else? I just, I never can feel good enough. Amen. I feel like the Lord's going to set you free tonight and let you know <laughs> that he picked you because you are good enough. Glory to God. He picked you because you are good enough. Could I get some of you to leave your seats and come down here tonight? It's still early. It's not, it's just 715. Can I get some of you to come tonight and, and just lay your hands on some of these up here and pray with them? And let's just, let's just see the Lord set them free tonight. Just let the Holy Spirit just wash over their soul. Let the Holy Spirit minister them tonight. Just find somebody to pray with tonight. And we're just going to pray and let the Holy Spirit touch souls tonight because you are, you are, you are good enough. Praise God. One mistake in your past does not define you. <laughs> One mistake doesn't define you. Hallelujah. If you're in the congregation, would you lift your hands this way? Amen. We're going we're gonna to pray tonight. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Stand with me tonight for just a moment. I want to end this this way. As I was praying for someone tonight, the Lord reminded me that Samson's latter days were greater than his former days. Even though he may have faltered and failed, and even though he may have done it himself, and even though he may have gotten his eyes punched out and been ended up a meal, at the, grinding at a meal, even though he did those things, once his hair begins to grow, God allows his latter days to be greater than his former days. He killed more in his death than he killed in his entire life. So that's how I want to end it tonight. I want to end it with you knowing that your latter days in the Lord are going to be greater than your former days. That what God has prepared for you from here on out, however long that on out is, can be better. And I don't mean better financially or, or I mean better spiritually, stronger spiritually than it ever was before. And you can do more. Moses didn't start leading the children of Israel till he's 80. Abraham didn't have a son till he was 100. Even Jacob didn't find a wife till he was 60. God likes old people. He likes old people. Because most of us have already done the stupid stuff and found that it hurts. We don't do it no more. It takes too long to heal. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. So know that the better days, that, that stronger days are ahead of you. And I just feel like I need to tell you that I feel like God's going to use you more, give you more victory, see mightier things, see greater promises come to pass in your latter days. That means the days ahead of you. I think this is a turning point tonight. As my dad would say, this is a red-letter day. You need to write this one on the in, your, in your calendar. This is a day when God changed me. This is a day whenever I begin to march toward the destiny that God's ordained for me. I feel like that's this kind of day. Does anybody else feel that way or yes, am I by amen. myself? You feel that way too? All right. Then as we close tonight, let's pray with a prayer of victory. Let's pray by saying, God, I thank you, Lord God, that you have prepared me for this season I'm about to enter into. We had 10 Bibles over here at the beginning of the year or at the end of about the middle of December. We had 10 Bibles sitting on top of this that were strictly for people that got first-time salvations. We had 10. Joyce, Joyce supplies the Bibles. I supplied everything else that's in there, but we had 10 of them sitting here. And this morning, I had two teenagers that came to me. One of them is a girl, young lady named Trinity. She came to me this morning. She told Sarah, I got saved this morning. And she came to me and said, I need a Bible. And her boyfriend said, I need a Bible too. And I came up here and only had one left. And I had to go back there and make him up one real quick. Because I've all, we've already given out 10 this year for first-time salvations. You may not know that. Ten salvations, and it's only the 14th day of the month. Now, that includes some in December, too. It's not all been this year. But in the last two weeks, we've seen five in the last two weeks. Five first-time salvations. And, and the, the, the lady and her boys that got saved last week were back. Well, she was back this morning. 
and brought some people with her. So what am I telling you? I'm telling you we're entering into a season that's going to be greater than the season we were in. And it may have begun, it may have begun with a falter. It may have begun with a little bit of chains of brass and maybe feeling like my eyes were punched out. That may have been how it started, but my hair kept growing. And now I'm in a season where it's possible for me to do be more used of God than I've ever been before. So as we close today, if that's your prayer, then I want you to pray that. God, thank you for giving me the strength for the season I'm about to enter. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray that. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for giving this church and this people, God, strength for the season of harvest we're about to enter, God. Lord God, I don't take it lightly, Lord God, that we've already seen 10 first-time salvations in this first couple of months, the, the last month of last year and the first month of this year, God. And Lord God, we receive, Lord God, what you're doing, Father. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that even though we may have faltered and failed, we haven't lost the war, God. Maybe a battle, but not the war. And I thank you, Lord God, that the days coming ahead are going to be greater than the days that have been behind us. For this is the season of harvest, and we receive the harvest that you have ordained in every life. We receive the promises that you have promised. We receive the healings that you have promised. We receive the, the things, oh God, that you have, you have said you were going to do. Lord God, tonight, oh God, starts the beginning of a new season of harvest, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory to God. A season, almighty God. Lord God, where the treaders of grapes can't keep up with the amount of grapes that are coming in, as you said in the book of Amos, oh God. Lord, where those that are reaping are, are reaping so much that the people that are sowing seed catch up with them, Father God. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, that this is the time, Lord God, of the blessing of the book of Amos, Father God. And we just receive it tonight in Jesus' name. And we praise you, O oh God, that you have prepared us for this time and this season, Lord God, to receive, O oh God, bountifully, Lord God, of souls and of lives and of infillings of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, of signs and wonders and miracles, of the greatness of the power of God, that you might glorify your son, Jesus Christ, O oh God. And change this community and change this area as you have ordained, Lord God. We give you praise for tonight that this is the first day, Lord God, of a new season in you. And we thank you for it now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and soon coming King. We give you praise. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Stay warm. Be careful on the roads. Uh, Friday night we have Young at Heart. So remember that, we, and uh, God bless you. Have a good week.